0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: First games always gets those that nervous energy going, those jitters. It's great, so couldn't ask for a, a better start against the team that we played deep in the playoffs last year in an iconic building. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I can't uh, believe we're starting already. It just seems like we finished. Uh, but if we're gonna start anywhere, starting at the Garden, that it's a Phenomenal place to play. Uh, so many great memories there. The fans are great. The tradition, the hockey history. It's just a really exciting time and be able to... I know the league's already started, but not hasn't started in North America yet, and to be the only show in town here tomorrow night is really, really exciting.
1: Well, that's what you want. The only show in town, especially in New York, and that's where Dave Michigan is. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. Two teams who, let's face it, High expectations. We touched on it a bit yesterday, but if you would tell somebody before the season started that the Lightning and Rangers maybe potentially would meet in another Eastern Conference final, I don't think anybody would say you're unreasonable, and hopefully, at least for the Lightning's sake, that's where they end up again. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Greg Linnelli with you, along with Dave Michigan, Steve Erskinex, our producer, Looking to have Dan Rosen from NHL.com join us a little later on in the broadcast to talk about not only the Lightning, but the Rangers. How much different of a team is this this year compared to last year? In terms of personnel, it's going to take a few weeks for us to get an idea what the identities are for both teams. But Dan will give us a pretty good scouting report on all of that. And, of course, we'll be taking your questions at bolts.com radio partner great to be with you you are in new york how's it going
0: it's cold in the (laughs) arena it's not cold outside yeah we we are in new york at the beginning and the end of the regular season so i am going to be missing the ice and the snow in new york city we'll get that in other locations but i thought i dressed warmly enough to be in the building for a couple hours and i'm Maybe discovering not discovering that I I, I underdressed, <laughs> but I will labor through. And tonight, of course, the building will be packed. It's it's going to be a lot warmer with body heat and the intensity of the game and the emotions of of opening the season. But you don't need to hear about my my chilly temps in the press box at MSG. Like what what the fans want to hear about is what's going to happen tonight and. Look, this is an exciting game, not just because it's the opener for the Lightning and the Rangers, but it's really the, the opener in the league. Now, I know that San Jose and Nashville played two regular season games over the weekend yes, in Prague, but that, that felt like it was in another continent which it was i mean this is the true opener it's the only game early there's one late game vegas and la all eyes to the nhl are going to be on madison square garden tonight and that makes it special more special than than any other opener i would say it does and let's face it too i mean the lightning have
1: been a huge drawing card at least in terms of the product they've put on the ice and You know, whether it's a stadium series, whether it's just winning the Stanley Cup in general, Mm -hmm. opening up the regular season, this time in New York. You know, I don't want to say it shows you how far Tampa Bay has come, but they are one of, if not the marquee team in the league. And the Rangers are pretty good themselves. So I think it should be, I think, a decent night ratings-wise for the league. Of course, we're hoping here on the radio side as well people want to tune in and check us out and uh, we'll be doing that every single day right here on the tune app locally 1025 the bone and every other outlet you can check us out strike 1025 HD 2 so that part I'm looking forward to as yeah. well and uh, a lot of different ways we can communicate with everybody I guess let's get to some maybe news items and I don't know if they're news items per se but you know Maybe gave us an idea, partner, of what the line combinations might be tonight. And, you know, the thing is, because John Cooper is who he is, and I think a lot of NHL coaches probably believe this as well, it's tough to get married to lines. But maybe it gives us an indication, at least initially, what the coaching staff is thinking when it comes to the players and the different combinations. and. You know, there were some debate, you know, would Steven Stamkos be centering a line based off of the success he had last year? At least to start this game at the morning skate today, left to right, Stamkos point Kucherov, mm-hmm. Hegel, Paul Coulorn, Kepke Nemestikov Colton, Maroon Belmar Perry. The defense pairings were Hedman and Foot, Sergeyev and Chernak, Flurry. and... And Myers. Before we get into those combinations, just obviously a couple of things that stand out. Stamp goes in the lineup, good to see. Remember how mm-hmm. that last preseason game. Obviously, have too. Somebody that was uh banged up a little bit in preseason. He's a, a go tonight. And then, of course, Myers, you know, not being claimed off waivers, back with the team. And, yeah, you know, that was a calculated risk. And somebody, You know, there were some
0: players that were claimed yesterday, though. Yeah, he John Cooper was...
1: I think Eric asked him, Eric Erlinson asked him that question about Myers possibly (laughs) getting picked up and uh, I'm paraphrasing here and Cooper said yeah that'd be a little bit of a predicament no doubt (laughs) but I think it was a calculated gamble and look you have to do those things but no doubt I think it's a situation where they felt confident he would clear it's never a sure thing but at least from a personnel standpoint injuries and guys that didn't get claimed that is the story and I think the Lightning are happy to see all those guys back in the lineup
0: yeah, the one thing I will I will clarify I'm not sure where you got those line combinations. Kalorn is not a right wing. Kalorn okay. is the left winger on that line. And sometimes when they're skating up and down the ice, you know, they turn around and maybe a little confusing. But the way sure. I saw it, Hagel's the right winger okay. on that line with Paul and Kalorn because we talked about that yesterday. That we Phil, did. Phil specifically said he likes Kalorn at left wing, and usually that is where he plays. That is where he is slated to play tonight. So these were the lines they ran in practice yesterday before they departed for New York, and these were the lines they ran Friday in practice before the Saturday afternoon game against the Panthers, but then Stamkos didn't play, so the lines were shuffled. So I'm not surprised that this is – actually, let me let me back up. The Stamkos-Point-Kucherov line was the line the Friday – practice before the Saturday preseason game against the Panthers. Some of the other lines looked a little different. Perry was playing, I guess you would say, in the third line. Kepke was on a line with Maroon and Belmar, but Kepke is is on the line that he had been with earlier in the preseason, at least skating with Nemestikov and Colton. So I don't know if you hear that in the background. They're making last-minute repairs in the press box at MSG, so I apologize for that. I am not using a drill. Trust me, folks. You do not want me trying to talk <laughs> on the microphone and use a drill at the same time. But I I think that coming out of that road game against the Panthers in the preseason when they had Stamkos and Point on different lines, John Cooper decided this is the this is the configuration we're going to go with heading into the start of the regular season – which, as we often say, and you just mentioned, is subject to change. So Stamkos begins the season playing at left wing, and your four centers are Point, Paul, Nemensnikov, and Belmar. You're right about that. Because there,
1: there was a little bit of debate, you know, on what yeah. that would look like down the middle. And look, once Sorelli gets back, we'll have more conversations, mm-hmm. I'm sure, about where this is all going to slide in. Interesting how the the team, at least again, initially, and we don't want to be over-emotional with line combinations, but it's it's the information that we have right now that we can relate to you and try and gauge maybe what exactly... The coaching staff is thinking initially, but I don't know if I was surprised because I I think it's been such a staple Maroon, Belmar and Perry, and they had good chemistry last Mm -hmm. year. And we saw Perry at times carry that line with his ability to finish, particularly from like the second half of the season on. But we did see Perry and I I think this is what's interesting about him, Dave, is that I still think, at least based off of what we saw last year, the finish ability and the hands appear to still be there. Mm -hmm. Not, Not that Maroon and Belmar don't have those, because I think we've seen Maroon at times in tight spaces. He's got some skill, can play on a power play, and he can dangle a little bit for a big guy. It was interesting because I think Perry, probably if you were to put him on a third line, and I say a third line, whoever centers that line, it could be anybody, I think you'd feel pretty good about his production level and I was curious to see if he was going to be given new line mates this year compared to what we saw last year. Again, understanding, Dave, that can all change in the second period a- yes. as early as tonight, and, and maybe that will, but at least initially it's, all right, you know
0: what? These guys, they have chemistry. We'll keep them together. You know, John Cooper has been consistent in this inconsistency with the line combinations. I don't mean that he is inconsistent, I mean that they can shuffle, and they do shuffle. He is not one to wait for a line to kind of work itself out of a little bit of a, a rut, particularly once you're in the heat of battle, Yeah, and he's sensing what is happening on the ice in a game. Other coaches operate differently. What were we just saying about the Bruins, now they have a new head coach, But when Bruce Cassidy was behind the bench, and even going back to Claude Julien, they really didn't touch, as an organization, Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak to the point that when Pasternak was finally moved last year off that line, David Krejci over in the Czech Republic is like, now you move him? Really? Like Had John Cooper been the coach of the Boston Bruins, I'm confident in saying that Krejci and Pasternak would have played together, Right. Like, it would have just happened organically because Coop is the sort of coach that is not shy about mixing up the lines. So these are the lines at the start of this game. They may not be the same lines at the start of next game. And to your point, they may not even be the same lines at the start of the second period. We hope that they are. Because I think if he's mixing it up, that meant that the first period didn't go quite to his liking. But there you have it. So... I can't say that i'm shocked that point stamp and kucherov are together at the start of the year they are a proven line in terms of productivity they have a lot of chemistry and if you are a believer that at the start of the year defenses need to catch up to offenses and last year as we pointed out i'm not sure the team defenses ever caught up during the regular season for a lot of teams but particularly at the start of the year, if you are a believer that the defenses are behind the offenses, why not go with, with a line that has shown you in the past that it can produce?
1: And I think that makes a lot of sense.
0: I particularly because think- you have other guys that you're, you're maybe trying to figure out, sure. not so much the roles at forward, I think that's more of a topic on the defense, but kind of figuring out the chemistry part of it. You know you have chemistry with Stamko's point you, do. Sorry, you do. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's a good point. I was going to say, I, I think it can, not that anybody needs settled down when you talk about this experience group, but look at the other three lines. Really, the first and fourth lines are the ones that have, you know, a, a decent amount of chemistry. Everybody's played with one another, Hegel, Paul, and Killorn to an extent. But I think if you can go, if John Cooper, every two, three, four shifts, can send the Braden point line over the boards together, I think you feel pretty good wherever you are in the game. There's going to be tilting of the ice, and it can calm you down at some point. Maybe it continues momentum that you have gained already previously, or maybe it snatches momentum away from the opposing team and puts the puck back in your court, so to speak. So I think it's nice to have that big line, so to speak, and I think John Cooper understands, at least going into tonight's game for sure, that's probably one line He doesn't have to worry a ton about. I tell Mm -hmm. you what, Kucherov, I thought, looked really good in preseason. Take that for what it is. I mean, a lot of guys don't, that you don't have to really you know, worry about, but you'd like to see them be productive. I thought Kuch was good, you know, in terms of handling the puck and and making plays, and I think having Point now healthy and then Stamkos coming off the year he had, I think you're looking at a situation where that, that line could be pretty dynamic and you would assume the Rangers are going to have their number one defense pairing matched yes. up against them, which is going to allow maybe some opportunities for Paul, and the Nemesikoff, and Belmar, their lines, Dave, to get maybe a decent matchup where they can also create some offense, understanding that, you know, that first line hopefully is going to be driving play a good portion of the night.
0: Well, what is the top pairing on defense in the Rangers? Is it Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren, or is it Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba? This is why they are a good team, right? We're going to ask Dan Rosen. Yeah, we are going (laughs) to ask Dan Rosen that.
1: Well, when Jacob Truba, do you think he'll take anybody's head off tonight?
0: You know, he's (laughs) their captain. He He got
1: named captain. He did. Good for him. Mm -hmm. Good for him. Very physical in the playoffs. And I think you could make a case one over the line. But you know what? That's usually how things play out in postseason. So we'll see if that trend continues a bit tonight. I am interested to see, of course, the debut of Cole Kepke, partner. And playing on a line that I I think has the potential to be a really tough line to play against. And again, you don't want to draw long conclusions when it comes to one game. But, you know, Kepke, Domestikov, Colton, it looks like, it feels like, all have decent offensive ability. They all play with a bit of an edge. And they all can skate. And I think those three qualities on a line, I think, can allow you to be pretty tough to play against. And, you know, we'll see Nemeskov, the, the older statesman, the elder statesman of that line. But mm-hmm. that that has an intriguing line to me because I think there's some good size, there's some good speed, and I think just enough skill to keep you honest.
0: Well, and that's uh, that's imperative in the NHL. You can't be a one-line team. You can't be a two-line team. You really need to get production up and down your lineup especially if we're going to see another year in which scoring is up and you need to maybe keep up with the joneses so to yeah. speak so the lightning have had that in in years past they've never really been a team that has struggled to produce offense and they've gotten balanced scoring i mean you mentioned perry not all of this came when he was playing with belmar and maroon because he saw power play time he saw sixth attacker time right. as well but he had 19 goals last year yes ross colin had 22 goals last year yeah
1: that's you know what some people and neither might not one realize played that played
0: really in a top <laughs> six role I know I know now I think you look up and down the rosters around the league last year just about everybody had close to a career year I mean Chris Kreider had 52 goals for crying out sure, loud sure sure so I mean Victor Hedman I was looking it up today which i remember last year like he had 20 goals last year and 85 points both career highs he just he was behind roman yossi in scoring right right because scoring was up and and guys were producing points which makes it imperative that you get that production up and down your lineup so i think the lightning are looking for that not only from the top line but also if you want to call whatever their third line is going to be in tonight We'll call it Nomenstikov, Kepke, and Colton. Maybe they don't have to score tonight, but they are going to need to produce through this season.
1: You need your depth scoring. We've talked about that before. And look, some of that depth scoring could come in the the way of the back end too. You know, mm-hmm. We talked about guys who can probably reach another level. Sergachev is the obvious answer, but I don't want to discount the potential Dave, in addition to what Victor Hedman can provide, Chernak's got a sneaky good shot, and I think he has some offensive ability that is a nice complementary to his physical style of play. But, you know, Myers putting himself in a position to get that shot on net, I think has a chance to contribute a bit offensively. And Cal Foot, too. Those yeah. two guys, I don't want to say are similar because I-, I need to see them play a bit more particularly Myers up close, but both have size and both have a big shot. And I think there is room for both. I think Myers probably impresses me a little bit with this shot more so than foot, but we have seen foot when he has had time to unleash it. He's got a good shot. Mm -hmm. I think there's room there on the back end to have your defenseman not think too much and be overly passive get it on net and allow your forwards to crash the net easier said than done of course but I think there's there's an opportunity to get some scoring in addition to the forwards but also on the back end guys not named Hedman and Sergachev
0: yeah that's part of it too I mean I mentioned Yossi but you also had among the top scoring defensemen in the NHL Adam Fox who won the Norris trophy two years ago so it's imperative Yes, It's imperative to have scoring from defense. I'm not sure that it's as imperative to get scoring depth among your defense. Like, you don't need all six, necessarily, to to pop in double-digit goals. But you definitely need production. And maybe that's going to come primarily on the power play. The Lightning run a power play with one defenseman. But whether it's Hedman on the top unit or Sergachev on the second unit, like, that's going to be important as well. That if they have the opportunity to contribute offensively while on the power play they need to do it or maybe putting it the other way if the power play is going to be successful and where the lightning needed to be then they are going to be getting points contributed from headman particularly on the top unit and sergachev on the second unit but i don't know that like if your number six defenseman finishes with three goals is that like a death knell no i I i think that it's it's less important to get scoring from your defense one through six, and you don't necessarily need to be the top scoring team among like your all defensemen added up together. Like some teams say, well, the the blah blah led the NHL in points by defensemen. I'm not sure that that is as important as long as you're getting your goals, and and who scores more often than not a forward or a defenseman. Usually, it's a forward. So. That's why I think it's more important that you get scoring depth among the 12 forwards sure. than up and down among the six defensemen, but you need scoring from your blue line. Yes, you need no that. doubt. You do.
1: And, uh, you know, even I think you bring up a good point as we wait for Dan Rosen. I think just to be a threat offensively. Yeah. I think that's, to your point, you know, if, if somebody finishes with three goals at the end of the year, you may look at that number and say, boy, that was not impressive. Okay, but I don't know, maybe his shot led to zone time. Mm-hmm. That then turned into a goal, or maybe it just from a you know dictating play or changing the momentum. Maybe that's what happened. And so I think you're right. I think you have to keep it in within the proper context. But I th- I think there is point is I think there's some room there on the back end too, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And that will begin tonight here at Madison Square Garden. All right. Good job by Steve Versnick to get our man. Dan Rosen from NHL.com. We've had him on a number of times throughout the year. Always enjoy the hockey conversation. Greg Lanelli with you along with Dave Mishkin. Dan, welcome. We always uh, look forward to talking some hockey with you. And, you know, look, the opener in Madison Square Garden with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, That's that's got to be a pretty nice ticket, right?
2: This is a pretty good one. You know, the only thing going on here in New York is Yankee playoff baseball. So we don't want to talk about that as a Mets fan. So uh, <laughs> we'll go. We'll, <laughs> which we're not we're not discussing that. Uh, no, I look, you know, it, it's uh, look, this is huge. I mean, this is the opening night, a rematch of the Eastern Conference final from last year. Uh, Ranger fans are excited. They are. They're they're pumped up for the team that they have after what they saw last year. Obviously, there's some of the Dan.
0: Are we losing Dan? Yeah, he was pretty low. Did he send low to you too, Greg? He
1: did. not I think it might have been the
0: Yankees. Yeah, they didn't or like the Yankees. Him they didn't like that.
1: They didn't the like Yankees. that. It's kind of like you know Barry Trotz. Whenever he hears yeah. us talk a little something, we'll get him back
0: on, or maybe his his reception's a little. A little difficult. but Might have been where he was standing in the building. I mean, I saw him like half an hour before we went on the air. So he is yeah. here. The Rangers did not skate today. So, I mean, the Lightning were the only team that was skating, and they are now wrapped up. So Dan is free. Maybe maybe we'll do a little Beatles action. Maybe he'll come up here to the press box, and we can share a microphone or something. Yeah. But it is interesting. You know, one difference, one big difference between the Lightning and Rangers, because both teams did have turnover. From last year's team, not not a ton of turnover, but I would say fairly significant turnover. The difference is that the Lightning's turnover happened on the blue line, and the Rangers' turnover happened at the forward position. Right. Strome, Vitrano, Cop, Tyler Mod. I mean, he, he he didn't contribute as much as those other guys, but you know he was a regular on their on their playoff team. That's not nothing, right? So. You know, now you bring it to Vincent Trocheck, and they have this Vitaly Kravtsov, who's a former first round pick who was on their taxi squad a couple of years right. ago and played in the KHL last year. Like, they have holes to fill at the forward position, but I think Dan is back. So, the Yankees pulled his plug. That's what that's what I want to appreciate. That Come comment, on, Dan.
2: I heard you guys perfectly, but you know, they, look, they, uh, whatever. We're not going to get there. <laughs> uh, well, Dan. No, you know what I was yeah, I just the goalie match is terrific. you know the fans are excited. You know, it's been a tumultuous training camp, and I'm as about that, they're just excited. You know,
0: because it's been tough. It hasn't been easy for you guys, so
2: it's exciting. A lot of good stuff, storylines to follow. No question about. It.
0: Yeah, I think we need to go back to the drawing board, Steve. Maybe, maybe let him know if he wants to. If he wants to come up to the press box, literally. I mean, he can just sit next to me, and we can. I was kind of kidding, but we can share wouldn't a you? microphone. Why would yeah. he want to sit next to you? Because we know my microphone works. It may be the building, you know, maybe <laughs> it a be. cell phone coming through the building. But it happens. That happens. anyway. That's
1: what they call live radio. You know, you mentioned the guys they're missing. Trocek, I think for me, and I don't know. Look. In free agency, you always overpay, so I think you have to mm-hmm. you have to keep that in perspective. They brought in
0: Ryan Carpenter too, who's been a pretty reliable they did. NHL forward, fourth but line. But if
1: Trocheck can continue his progression, when I say progression, I'm a little bit older of a player now, but I mean he's a guy that is a legitimate, I think, top six forward in this league. You can make a case, say a top three. You know, if you want to talk about first lines, he's really, really good. But you know, Andrew Kopp not being there. Mm-hmm. he he did impress me last year he was and very good in the playoffs yeah he's one of those guys that you know really it felt like elevated his play at the right time so you're curious
0: and Vetrano not there as well Dave as you yeah. alluded to I mean those are two they guys they were deadline acquisitions so they it's were. not like they were here throughout the year but they were important additions down the stretch and important they pieces for them in their playoff push they were and playoff and run
1: you know, those are pieces you make when you know you have a Stanley Cup contending team, and you give up some to get those guys, and that's where th- this is the the challenge of winning in a salary cap world, is that you need to strike while the iron's hot, while you give up those assets to acquire, basically, rentals, and that's what it was, and it got the Rangers to a point, they couldn't get over the hump, so now the question becomes, did they retool enough with the assets they either currently had or had to go out and get to replace the production that those players provided in the postseason last year. Mm-hmm. I think that will be the question for them. We talked about the backup goaltender situation. I know it maybe seems a little important until it becomes really important, whether it's an injury or for whatever reason, poor play. I don't think many people are anticipating that, with Sturkin. But there there are changes. And I think every coach in the National Hockey League today, because of player turnover, not every season is going to be the same. I mean, I think John Cooper, Dave, along with maybe a couple of other teams, the organization as a whole, have been somewhat fortunate in that their core players are young enough where they've signed him to long-term deals that any type of turnover they've had, maybe outside of really this year with McDonough and Palat, have been on, I don't want to say the edges, but they haven't necessarily been the core guys. And yeah. I think some teams, you know, look, we've talked about Florida. Maybe you have to make a move to wake up things or shake things up, and that's fine. But I think the Lightning have done a nice job of plug and play, but what separated them has been their ability to, to lock guys in at a young age who have developed and played at a very high level. I think the Rangers' challenge will be identifying those players and then keeping a constant stream of productive role players to complement them in a way that brings them a championship. Because when you don't win a championship and you've had to move some assets at the deadline and then you can't bring those guys back the next year, it just it's one it's one more year you didn't win a championship and you're gonna have to pay for that down the road. If you win championships at this point, you can at least accept that a little bit more, understanding it was all for the good, and you've got a couple of
0: rings to your name. Yeah, and and, and I guess I should go back and say about their changes, the Rangers' changes, not the Lightning's changes, because you started with, with how the Rangers have, have had to address some departures. These are on the edges. Like, Cop was an important part of their team last year. Vetrano played really well for them. I'm, I'm granting all of that. But they are still a stacked team. And their core pieces are back, and many of their core pieces are young. Fox is young. Shesterkin is young. They have their kid line. Like one of the reasons that maybe they could say goodbye to, to some of the players they brought into the deadline, like they expect Kako to take a step forward this year, another step forward. They expect Philip Heal to take another step forward this year. They expect Lafreniere to take another step forward this year. And he had 19 goals last year, all even strength. Their power play was really good, but at some point this guy is going to be playing on the power play regularly and he's going to add to his goal total by by scoring power play goals. They have Zabanajad back, they have Kreider back, they have Panarin back. They are a really, really good team. And was was it yesterday we were we were talking like are they a Stanley Cup contender? I think they are. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Absolutely. I think their questions are more kind of micro-questions, right? Like, why in their mind did they lose the series to the Lightning last year? They didn't score enough in games three through six. Right. Because the bandage ad line was effectively shut down, and they couldn't generate enough. So, how do you address that? Well, I think they like what Trocek is going to bring for them down the middle, and... I think they are banking on some of their younger players taking another step forward this year. There's a reason why caca went number two overall. There's a reason why Lafreniere was the first overall pick. Like, they should be guys the Rangers can rely on to produce offense moving forward. And, you know, we didn't talk about their defense. Like, their top four defense is back. It hasn't gone anywhere. And that is going to really help them right off the bat in the regular season. Because if... If it is kind of a struggle to get your defensive game in order for teams, sometimes at the start of the year, the Rangers already, like, entered the season with, should I call them seasoned? I don't know if I can call them seasoned because some of their players are are young. Like, other than Truba, the other guys are are really young. Maybe Lindgren isn't quite as young, but Fox is young and Miller is still young. And they have this Braden Schneider as their third-pair righty D. He's very young. Like they may be young but they know how to play yeah and if they do have a breakdown they have the goalie which you know the lightning can say the same thing but not every team in the league can say that no and you know
1: we were just talking about the role players and and what does that mean i think the lightning have found a nice balance of guys who have been able to contribute and look the rangers have some role players who have a pedigree there and they're gonna Mm -hmm. look to those guys
0: yeah
1: that's true and they're they're gonna look to those guys to make an impact good by the way wasn't he i mean he was banged up a good
0: portion of the playoffs last year i know he got hurt the in the pittsburgh first games yeah in sure. yeah pittsburgh he got hurt, hurt sure. in the first game against pittsburgh the triple yeah. overtime game
1: right i mean you want to talk about a guy if he's fully healthy that can make an impact and we saw what he could do mm-hmm. for the lightning i mean having him at that point Close to 100%, as much as you can in the playoffs, is going to be huge. But I, I think you mentioned those first-round picks, guys who have a lot of skill that might not be on the first line or second line. Maybe they will be. Who knows? But that's one way you can overcome the loss of some of the the grinders that we had just alluded to uh, previously. And look, you have to hit on some of those guys. High draft picks have to perform. And if they don't, it puts you in a situation where you know, you're, you're playing catch-up just a bit. Uh, by the way, Dan Rosen looks like he is going to be coming to your studio, Dave. So we'll keep okay. an eye for him uh, making his way up there. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get involved, please hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Nick chimes in. he says, what's one of the biggest questions entering this game?
0: This game or this season? He said game. We probably can address both. Well, the we season, I think we, we've we talked about that. What, what I am curious to see tonight How much motivation are the Rangers going to have above and beyond the fact that it's opening night to to beat the Lightning? I mean, we've seen this before. When teams meet early in a regular season after having played in a playoff series the year before, often the team that lost the series wins the game. Yes. The Panthers beat the Lightning early last year at Amelie Arena. Remember that? 4-1. Lightning started 2-3-1 and one after six games last year in the regular season. One of those losses came to the Panthers. I remember a year after the Lightning – the year, I should say – after the Lightning lost to the Capitals in 2018. They played early the next year, and the Lightning won. Lightning beat the Capitals. It can happen. In fact, it does happen. So how are the Lightning going to handle that tonight was, was the question from Nick – What questions are there? I guess that's my biggest question. Yeah, How will the Lightning handle the fact that the Rangers are not only going to be motivated because it's opening night, they're playing at home, it's the only game in town, but also it's the Lightning. And the last time they saw the Lightning, they were on their way to losing four straight and squandered, in their mind, the opportunity to win the Stanley Cup. That's a pretty significant motivating factor.
1: It is. And I I think I asked Brian this question, Brian Engblom, when he was on last week. And I I just I said not having the weight of trying to defend the Stanley Cup going into a season. Will that in some ways maybe subconsciously alleviate some of the pressure these guys put on themselves? Because they put a lot on them. The expectations are high. And he said, you know, that Mm -hmm. could be that could be the case. So I think that's one of those factors, Dave. We may really not know. Uh, it's hard to measure that because those guys were trying to do something pretty remarkable last year and they came within two games of doing it, so I thought they handled that pressure really, really well. But do they play a little differently understanding that, all right, you know what, we can breathe a little bit, not in terms of their play, just the, the, the pressure that comes with trying to do something that no team had done yeah. Since the the Islanders. And I, I don't I don't know. Time will tell. I, I keep going back, Nick, for me, whether it's this game or for the season. Two guys who I think have the potential to help the team move that puck along uh, after some of the losses they experience in the offseason. That would be Brandon Hagel and Mikhail Sergachev. Sergachev, I think we've seen it a little bit more than Hagel, at least for the Lightning the ability to change the complexion of the game, whether it's physically or just putting up a good amount of points and then growing emotionally as well. I think Hagel as well for me is somebody, and I know Dan is. sounds like he's in the booth there. Yeah, he's here. So just finish your thought and then... Yeah, yeah, we we'll really are them. doing
0: the beatles we're sharing a microphone and we each have an earpiece my earpiece i Ooh. gave him my right earpiece so well i'll, I'll let you jump. but i was gonna say Hegel's is <laughs>
1: another guy nick i was gonna be watching for this year to see kind of where he fits in production wise is it more of chicago last year yeah. or can he put up the same numbers he did uh with the lighting we'll see how that plays
0: out well dan is here and he's not gonna have any trouble hearing me because i'm sitting right next to him but we were talking about the rangers dan and, and one difference notable difference between the turnover between these teams the lightning had some significant turnover on defense the rangers don't have that issue their defense is basically back but at forward cop Vitrano, strome mott those aren't the top guys necessarily but they are significant guys how did the lightning or how did the rangers handle kind of addressing those departures
2: yeah i mean you're talking about three of their top six guys if you look at it that way when Vitrano cop and uh and i'm missing one already you you mentioned it strome strome there it is um it seems like forever ago that they played here it's kind of weird even though it was just a few months ago um so they got trocek trocek is the replacement for ryan strome i mean he is he's a right-handed shot when you know he's better in the face-off circle but he kills penalties he plays on their first power play unit or that's the plan so he is the natural replacement he's gonna play with Artemi Panarin and they hope is that they develop the chemistry Cop and Vetrano were trade deadline acquisitions and they were key guys like they brought them in and Vetrano played on the first line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad and Cop played with Panarin and Strom I mean it was a, these were their top six right there so they don't have that anymore they're moving at the time right now what is expected for tonight is Kapokako who's at a good training camp he's gonna play on that top line with Mika Zibanejad and with Chris Kreider and Vitali Kravtsov who was the number eight pick in the draft or number nine pick in the draft uh, four years ago he's finally getting his opportunity and I don't know how much of it is in earned opportunity because I don't think he had the best camp but he's less than a million bucks and he's got skill and they need him to be an impact player or at least try to be an impact player he's going to get that opportunity to play with Panarin and with TROCHek, and it's funny like people throughout training camp have been like well Panarin's sort of his mentor Panarin's not a mentor he, he is a player. He's not a mentor. But what he is doing is he's kind of helping Kraftsoff to understand where he needs to go in order to make Artemi Panarin a better player. That's what it's for. Hey, you go here, and I'll get you the puck, and that will help us. If you don't go there, I can't get you the puck. I'm not as good. You're not as good. So it's that kind of mentoring, not kind of guiding him through the league. But Kraftsoff's getting that opportunity to play with Trocek and Panarin. We'll see how it goes. And then you look at it. The kid line that they had, which was Alexi Lafreniere, Philip Hedl, and Capo Caco, they started training camp with that, but they needed somebody up on the right wing with Zibanejad and Kreider. So it's Lafreniere and Hedl and now Barclay Goudreau, who's a guy that the Lightning fans know very well. He's so serviceable in so many different ways as a third liner. He could play center. He could play wing. He could play with you know skill guys. He could play with grinders. And so they got him with two skill guys to be the grinder on the line.
1: Dan, that's a big deal, isn't it? Dave and I were talking about this previously. Goodrow not really being healthy for the playoffs last year. That that hurt them. He was a productive guy for the Lightning and I think showed a little bit more skill uh, with the Lightning than people anticipated, but he does a lot of things well. I, I've got to think, and who knows what's going to happen once the playoffs begin. But having somebody like him healthy and in the lineup ready to go is going to be huge.
2: Yeah, it is significant. In fact, I mean, he had that injury, the ankle injury. He blocked a shot, broke his ankle, uh, and then comes back in the playoffs and blocks a shot with the same ankle. (laughs) And if that doesn't define who Barclay Goudreau is as a player, I don't know what does. I mean, he kind of lays it all out there for you. Uh, and they held him out a little bit in the start of training camp this year because they were still a little bit concerned about that ankle. Everything seems to be fine now, and he's good to go. He's a guy on that third line. If that were to stick with Alexi Lafreniere, Heidel, and, and Goodrow, uh, he's going to take a lot of the face-offs. He's going to be a guy that's going to go get the puck a lot. Uh, Not to say that Heedle can't do that, and and Lafreniere showed a real big physical side to his game in the playoffs last year too, but that's going to be significant for them to have that type of player playing with those two younger guys. I don't know that it sticks, though, to be honest with you, because... I see Alexi Lafreniere as a guy who's eventually going to be playing in the top six, whether it's on the right wing with Panarin and uh, Trocek or on the right wing with Kreider and Zibanejad. I think he's that type of player. It's just a matter of getting him the comfort level to move from the left wing to the right wing to do it. So we'll see where it goes. But if that's the case... Then Goudreau goes to the left wing on that line, and Kako comes down. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes. He he is that type of player, or he can go in the middle, and they move heatle. He He's such a valuable commodity in that way, and that's why the Rangers really wanted him. I and mean, They signed him to a six-year deal a couple years ago because they needed that type of versatile player.
0: Adam Fox plays with Ryan Lindgren. Keandre Miller plays with Jacob Truba. Is the Miller-Truba pairing going to be the, the shutdown pair for the Rangers, like when point stamp goes and Kutrov come over the boards.
2: yeah 100 i think that's where you're looking at it for and and that's jacob truba's role you know i mean he's jacob truba's a throwback defenseman who has skill too. like he he can bring it offensively he's got a really good shot a powerful shot from the point but he's a throwback we saw it in the playoffs last year lots of big hits people were questioning him but they were deemed legal and so it's good to go. I mean, I think people question big hits anytime now. You know, that's just kind of the nature of the game. But those were big-time hits that he laid. He had one on Seth Jarvis in Carolina series that I remember, and there were several others as well. One on Crosby that, sh- that was unforgettable. That probably changed the entire complexion of that first-round series against the Penguins. That's your shutdown pair, two big guys who can skate well in Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba. And it allows a guy like Adam Fox – to not have to necessarily always worry about in a shutdown role. He's going to play part of that because he plays so many minutes, but Adam Fox is a guy you want being able to roam around with the puck and do some damage and have Ryan Lindgren as the safety valve there. And, that's what's going to happen if the Rangers can can get the matchups they want in any type of game, whether it's this one or the next one or whatever it is, it's the Truba Miller will be the, the they will be the line, the defensive pairing that sees the top lines.
1: Dan Rosen joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Dan, speaking of defense, the Lightning lost a couple of guys who certainly were hard to play against this offseason, Ryan McDonough and Andre Pilot. How big of a loss are those two players? And is that maybe a question you have regarding the Lightning? Not necessarily in the regular season, but once the postseason begins, being hard to play against?
2: I I don't think I have the question of them being hard to play against. I think I have the question of is their depth good enough? You know, to to make another long run with the, you know, with the factoring in beat guys getting beat up a little bit, banged up, and having to play through stuff. Ryan McDonough was a, a warrior for this team and for the Rangers before that, um, and he will be for Nashville now. I mean, he he could do so many different things. He could. He, you knew he was a he was like the softened everything for Victor Hedman because he would go out there and do those things that now you didn't have to have Victor Hedman doing. And Victor Hedman could be the, the, you know, the sublime skating big defenseman that he is. And, you know, I am not to say that it's not to say that they don't have that guy now. It's just we don't know who that guy could be. I mean, is it Hayden Fleury? Is this is finally his opportunity? Uh, we don't know the situation obviously with Ian Cole, so that obviously is is a factor. But again, Ryan McDonough's loss on the back end I think is significant for this team. And Andre Pilat up front. I mean, if you look at the all-time scoring leaders in the playoffs for the Tampa Bay Lightning, Andre Pallad's right at the top of the list, right near it. So that's a big loss too. So much experience, So a guy you could always count on to do the right thing all the time. I remember years ago, John Cooper told me that centers always win the Selkie Trophy. So Andre Pralat never will. But if they had ever get it away from just giving it to the center all the time, Andre Pallott could win a Selkie Trophy. He's that type of player.
0: Dan last year the eight teams that made the playoffs in the east ran away with it I think the race was basically over by mid-January it figures to be more compelling in the east this year how do you see the east playing out which teams are going to kind of regress back to the playoff cut line and which teams are going to elevate
2: well yeah I think it was 25 points the difference between the 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 last team that got in the playoffs in the east last year which was the capitals and the the, the next one I th- I'm, I could be wrong on that but it's it was maybe it wasn't it wasn't 25 points I'm sorry it wasn't it was 25 it was 32 points in the lightnings division is what it was uh, from fourth to fifth um, and I think it was it was cl- it wasn't very close in terms of playoffs uh, whatnot for the for last season either. You know, I mean, you had again the Capitals got in at 100, and the light and the the Islanders were next at 84, so 16 points. It won't be that this season. That was the first year that it all eight teams in a conference had 100 points that made the playoffs. All eight teams had 100 points that made the playoffs. I can't see that happening this season. I look at the cut line at around 96 this season, and the reason I say that. And that's just a guess, but the reason I say that is, A, it's back to normal, and B, Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit in the Atlantic Division, and the New York Islanders and the Columbus Blue Jackets in, in the Metro, probably the Devils too, are all better. The Islanders didn't do much in the offseason except add Romanov, but Romanov's a good defenseman. And that makes their defense better. And their goaltending is excellent with Sorokin. And if they can get 5 to 10% more from guys like Barzell uh, and Bovillier, they're going to score more goals. Uh, and, and that will be the difference. I think the Islanders could be a playoff team. I think Washington is the team that you have to look out for as the team that drops a little bit in the, in the metro. Backstrom's out. Wilson's out. Uh, they're a year older. So it's a question mark there, and then if you look in the other side, the Atlantic. I mean, you have to look at Boston right now, because it's not Florida, it's not the Lightning, and even though we question Toronto's goaltending, they can outscore their problems for throughout the regular season. It's a question about the playoffs, um, but Boston is banged up with McAvoy and Grizzlick and Marchand and Taylor Hall just coming back. Um, so they're the team that 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 could face some some dangerous territory in a division that got better buffalo detroit and ottawa are better so they're going to win some more games against the better teams which is going to take some points away from them which is why i don't think it takes a hundred to get into the playoffs in the east like it did last year
1: well dan that's it for me i'll let my partner if he has any more questions to ask you but we always appreciate you breaking it down and uh should be a good one tonight enjoy it thank you dan
2: all right thanks guys
1: dan rosen joining us there live in the booth partner that worked out well
0: yeah way to go I, I, we should have had somebody snap a picture of the two of us as we were hunched over and you were a rather it. intimate position for about 15 minutes there he's laughing <laughs> as he <laughs> 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 on radio we'll leave it to everyone's you know, imagination but don't a, don't go too crazy no like a, look I wanted him to be able to hear you and I have your so I know I had to give him one of my earbuds, and and we shared the mic. But we made it work, and he sounded a lot better on my microphone than he did over his phone. So I'm he guessing.
1: Did. And you know what? We're going to use some of that for pregame tonight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're <laughs> welcome. Usually, <laughs> yes,
0: you did a great job with that. So that was very good. Anything? Anything? Well, I was about to ask you anything that jumped out.
1: Yeah, you know when <sighs> the part talking about you know Goodrow, I, I thought was pretty interesting. I've heard outside of these two teams tonight, the, the teams that have improved the most Mm -hmm. in the Eastern Conference and how it might be a bit more competitive. I do think Washington might be the team to kind of keep your eye on.
0: Yeah, their injury issues are significant. Yeah,
1: I I think injury issues, maybe goaltending is is still a little bit of a question mark, maybe not as much as the injuries, but I, I do think maybe if there is a team to really take a step back that's been at the top for an extended period of time, it may be Washington. Time will tell. I think... The teams that we think are going to take that next step, they still have to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing, too. It's not not one on paper, whether it's Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa. I think we all see the pieces together and how they're developing. I think the thing that separates a team like the Lightning and teams who have won championships before, can you defend and are you getting... I don't even know if I'm going to call it elite goaltending, but timely goaltending at the right time. Yeah. Do those teams have all of that? And I think that, to me, partner, will be something we all keep our eyes on as the season progresses. We're going to be paying attention to the lighting the most, but we're going to run into those teams, particularly the ones in Tampa Bay's division. Mm-hmm. Have those teams taken the appropriate steps defensively net, either by bringing somebody in or with what they already had to compete with really the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference over the last couple of years. I think that's a question.
0: Yeah, and and I wonder how much – like, that is definitely a key in the playoffs. But what we saw last year, Greg, was that teams could get away with sloppy defense if they scored enough. And it it didn't hurt them as much. For sure. I think it did hurt them ultimately once we got into the playoffs – the teams that could defend went deep in the playoffs. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, you want to say Edmonton, but, you know, when Edmonton had to, they could they defend. Yeah, they did. In, in they the did. first couple of rounds. So I'm curious. I mean, if Ottawa and New Jersey, let's say, the Islanders are not really a team you think of as a high-scoring team. But let's say Columbus can, can, you know, really pop in some goals <laughs> now that they have Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, maybe they don't need stout defense and supremely elite goaltending. Or maybe just below that. Forget elite. You know, above average to to really, really good goaltending. But if they're going to do anything in the playoffs, I think you do need that. So what I was interested to hear from Dan was that I think in his mind, there are some questions about how they are going to handle – the departures at the forward position but that's what the regular season is for right so i mean there's nothing preventing the rangers except a cap crunch which who knows where they'll be when the trade deadline comes around there's nothing preventing the rangers from addressing some of that at the deadline like they did last year right sure but for now they're going to lean more on kako they're going to lean more on lafreniere they're going to lean more on Filip Hedel. They're going to see what this Kravsov can do, even though Dan said he wasn't overly impressive in the preseason. He is playing on that line with Panarin and Trocek and kind of assess as the season goes along. But I think that the Rangers have enough additional weapons. And by weapons, I'm not only talking about offensive weapons, like the the stout defense they play and the goaltender they have. Like They're not going to they're not going to tumble out of the top eight so far that they, they won't make the playoffs. I think it's more about assessing where they need to be to make a deep run, and and those are the questions that they have. But it's not like he came on with us and said, the Rangers are in great shame now that they don't have cop Vetrano, and Strom. I mean, he didn't really say it that way, did he?
1: No, and I think some of that is just a little bit of an unknown with guys who are going to be taking... yeah different roles or an increased role and time will just tell I I think for teams like the Rangers even the Lightning I mean we've seen some slow starts before Dave I don't know if there's ever a panic that sets in there may be some disturbing trends that you have to keep an eye on but I don't think I mean the season's so long you know how many years did we see Buffalo Dave get off to a really good start. It felt like, you know, three or four years ago, we were always having this conversation Mm -hmm. about Buffalo coming in, and boy, the first 10, 15 games, they looked great. And then they'd have a huge collapse, and it's for obvious reasons. But I think it's it's allowed us not to be prisoners of the moment. And for younger guys who were taking on a bigger role, I mean, now is the time to let your team maybe experiment and see what you have with them without necessarily panicking game in and game out if you're not playing the way you'd like to be playing come playoff time. This is a long grind. 82 yes, games. I mean, we've talked about this so often. It is, it's is—it's hard to get emotional even after the first 20, 25 games, you know, assuming there's not a collapse. Yeah. So I think we all have to keep that in mind. Bob said, uh, as we uh, close things up here, Saturday he was impressed with Paul and Colton and, of course, Vlad. I was not impressed with 38's game at all, but it was a preseason game.
0: Well, oh, he that's Hegel. yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I thought everybody played well in the lightning. I mean, they won the game five to two. That they did. Yeah. Hegel had a breakaway shorthanded. Now I know you have been, and even earlier today on the show, you talked about him finishing and look, he's going to have to answer those questions.
1: I mean, do you think that's a legitimate question? Though, I, or I think or it's, you it's not... a
0: legitimate question. I, I go back to what I said when we had this conversation, I think last week, yeah, that, if Brandon Hagel could score, what was it, 22 goals with the Chicago Blackhawks and the way he scored them, Mm -hmm. they weren't, like, fluky goals. Like, I watched him score goals where he shot pucks in past goaltenders. Sure. Maybe that's a confidence thing, but I believe he can do it. Having said all of that, if he is putting himself in a position to score and not finishing, that's better than not putting himself in a position at all. So I'm not quite sure what Bob saw that that made him make that comment. But it was a, it was a good preseason game for the Lightning. It was yeah. the opposite of the seven to one loss in yes. Nashville. Right. That was at the other end of the spectrum. It was. And Hagel did score in that game. Actually, he was one of the few bright did, spots right. with Nomenstikop.
1: Look, he's going to get chances because of the speed. I think he plays a tenacious game, mm-hmm. and I think you just want to see him bang at home a few times here. And I think the, more, the quicker he does that, Dave, I think you're going to see him settle down even more because we yeah. can talk about coming into training camp this year and, and things being a little bit more comfortable. Dave, they're in any profession. You don't get acclimated as quickly as you would like without having produced at some level because it gives you confidence.
0: And and he has fairly consistently, I would say, in his time with the Lightning, understanding he doesn't always, you know, play the most. Yeah. He seems to get shorthanded chances. His first goal with the Lightning was a shorthanded goal. Remember that in Boston?
1: I do remember that.
0: Scored a shorthanded goal. Yeah. He had a shorthanded breakaway the other night. In the Nashville game, he and Nemesnikov had a 2 0 shorthanded, wasn't it? Yeah. Or the 2-on-0 might have been 5-on-5, but he had a shorthanded opportunity as well. So look for that. When he's out there killing penalties, he may get some opportunities. He's a threat. He's a threat. It's a
1: nice weapon to have. All right, it's going to wrap it up for us today for our show. We'll be back at it again in this setting tomorrow, noon to 1. Game tonight is 7-30, a little bit after that too with TV, so make sure you... Make the appropriate adjustments. We will be on the airwaves at 7 o'clock with the pregame show. And, of course, you can listen to all of that here on the TuneIn app locally on 1025 The Bone. So make sure you do that. And we'll be here for you. Or HD2 Strike 1025. And that's where we will be. Partner, this was fun. Yep, We'll have a game, a meaningful game, to talk about tomorrow. Safe that travels. and we will. And uh, we'll do it. Uh, I'll talk to you tonight for sure. Thanks to Steve Ursk for producing. We always appreciate that. And Dan Rosen, who did come on from the booth. We uh, greatly appreciated him. And uh, thank you for your questions. Hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. You have been listening to Power Lunch right here on Lightning Radio.